Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 30th of March 2011. Newcomers, I always suggest you look into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. You'll find hundreds of audios for download there for free, where I try, hopefully, to give you a shortcut, and lots of shortcuts actually, to understanding this big system into which you're born, a system that was really up and working and totally integrated too, working together before you were born, and that really nations were non-existent a long time ago, certainly uh, during World War II and afterwards especially, but even prior to that too, they had various leagues and combines, as they called them in treaties, to basically take over the world and its resources and bring in a nice scientifically controlled society across the planet. And that's what you're living through now is the final part of the taking over of resources and uh, the sharing of everything uh, that happens to be around you, water, food, everything. It's to be shared supposedly, but it's to be shared through big international corporations who will reap the profits and leave you in what's called austerity. You know, the proper place for serfs to live in is, is to be austere. So that's where you're all going. So look into the website. And remember, those are the official sites I have listed there. I don't own any other sites outside that particular set on the list there. And also remember, too, you can get transcripts of a lot of the talks as well for print up. They'll carry them in English. And you can get transcripts in other languages if you go into alanwattsentinel.eu. And remember, too, to buy the books and discs I have for sale. That will keep me just ticking over, hopefully. And you can still use a personal check from the U.S. to Canada. You can use an international postal money order from the U.S. to Canada. And you can also send cash or use PayPal to order or donate. Use the Nation button and follow it with an email with name, address, and order, and I'll get it out to you. Same across the rest of the world. You're left really, I suppose, nowadays with Western Union or MoneyGram or cash or PayPal to order using the donation button. Remember, two straight donations are certainly appreciated because it costs a lot to do what I'm doing here. And it's not just a a one-hour show. It's not a show at all. It's hopefully an educational broadcast. But anyway, it's also a full-time, not even an occupation. It's beyond. No no crazy person would take this on unless you were really, uh, really driven by something. And I have been driven for an awful long time. So help yourself that. Keep me going too, as I say and straight nations are certainly welcome. This new world order, as I say, is not new at all. We have new phases of it as they progress down through the centuries, and you can find traces of them definitely written about back in the 1700s, increasing in the 1800s when academia got together, and then, of course, once you get into uh, the late 1800s, you have the real societies backed by the biggest banks on the planet, the international money-lending banks, the ones who lend to nations who formed a club in London and formed the Royal Institute for International Affairs. That was their final resting name because they had other names before that, and they have the Council on Foreign Relations elsewhere. It's the same club, of course, and their plan was to grab all the world's resources, 
That's what Cecil Rhodes was doing. And on behalf of his master, Mr. Rothschild, who basically financed them in the first place. And uh, that meant all resources. Initially, it was to grab all the valuables that which were using for, for money, such as gold, silver, and diamonds. And then, of course, they went for all the other resources that a land had to offer as they used the British Empire to basically conquer the globe. And also to set up the same structure before pulling out uh, of this strange thing called democracy, this hierarchical club where the, the offspring's children take over eventually and run in the same system. We have it in every country now. We're all run by the offspring of previous politicians, multimillionaires, even the communist ones. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back and this is Cutting Through the Matrix, talking about the big system that you're born into and you truly are born into as your parents were before you and given just the correct type of education or indoctrination because it means one and the same thing to make you a good uh, tax-paying, working, obedient citizen. That's really how they define what a good citizen is. And um, the UN, is, of course, has gone up higher, one step higher since it's a one-world system and said that a good uh, world citizen is a good producer and consumer. And that really means basically that um, if you're over the workable age or you're disabled or whatever, you're, you're just a consumer and therefore you're not a good citizen. And I'm serious about that too, and so are they, in fact. We've watched the nonsense about them increasing the pensionable age in different countries. They're, they're floating the idea of 70 years of age for men in some countries. Knowing darn well, few of them will ever reach that age, and that's what they all hope for. We're played really like fools at the bottom, and that's that's my honest truth about it, like utter fools. And to an extent, from from their point of view at the top, we are fools. We'll be made to be fools, and the reality we're given is such rubbish at the bottom. I often say it's like a gopher coming out of a hole in the ground, you know, and you know something's coming. And by the time you look round to see it, where it's coming from, it's run over you. And when you look the other way, it's disappearing over the horizon. Well, that's how reality hits us at this level, this low level. We're bombarded with trivia all the time. We're bombarded with perpetual wars all the time to keep us distracted as they go ahead with their plundering and so on. But you don't realize these plundering techniques were planned maybe 50 years ago for these particular countries. Winston Churchill talked about it in his own writings back in the 1940s and before that, in fact, where he talked about these countries would have to be taken out for their oil, and that's what we're doing now. And he also knew of the big association that was called the Royal Institute for International Affairs and other names before that, but he knew of this group and he knew that was their intention, the world system, giving a socialist-type system, uh, for to run the public is far superior than a so-called free democratic society where the public might once in a while say, no, I've had enough, but you can't do that in a socialist, uh, communist-type uh, system. You take your orders from above, just like China, and that's why they like China as a model state for the world. The guy at the top shouts an order, and it's prattled down to the people at the bottom, and they simply obey, you see. Now... Last night I also talked about how the leaders are picked 
and give you one example of one of the big foundations and organizations that works with all governments uh, through United Nations again for international jobs, for global governance, by the way, and they announced their 70th birthday, 70th birthday, to pick global leaders. And not just global leaders in politics, mainly politics, of course, and high bureaucracies. You forget bureaucrats are there all the time, regardless of what puppet face they give you for a president or a prime minister. And they're often more important than the front men, in fact. And um, But they also go in for novelists, writers, people who write plays, anything that will change your perception because they're into perception management. And you're certainly living through the time of massive perception management where they're teaching you through the Delphi technique to to perceive things in a different way, the Sunstein way, basically. Uh, how do we get the, the peasants to stop seeing water as water and seeing it as our water, like the corporation's water? That's, that's really what he means. Uh, but you're supposed to see it in a different light altogether because they're going to bring you down to utter dire austerity and you will one day be weighed every week by some government official or be something you'll plug in your computer because they'll be doing everything through your computer and watching you too, just like George Orwell's 1984, as if they aren't already, of course. And you will be weighed and so on and fined if you're overweight. And one day too, you'll have, just like they have the garbage police in Britain and elsewhere, and the green police, you'll have people coming in to check your, your, your kitchen and probably raid your home for extra tins of beans or something, which they can't account for and you can't account for because it didn't go up the checkout counter and they don't have it on their computer scroll. So that's what the kind of world that they're bringing in. And they'll actually get the general public to go along with it and they'll, they, and they can always count on the public to go against the odd man out. The odd person who says, no, I'll, I'll, I'll sneak in an extra tin of beans here. And uh, they actually, actually use the public against such people. They, they have in the past, they do now, in fact. You see, the general public are essential to this plan. You understand? The elite couldn't have done it without them. The great unwashed masses, as, as they call them. And because the general public likes to be much the same as everybody else in the general public, whatever that means. That's a legal term, by the way, general public. Like, like a corporate entity, the mass entity. And they do. They like to be like each other. They don't really like something that's different or something that looks different or even the fashions that some people wear. They just don't like it at all. They're, like, they're much more comfortable with everyone looking much the same as them. They're definitely more comfortable, as you've all found out, when you're talking about trivia from the mainstream media or giving the false uh, impressions that media's left you with about major topics. If you give anything outside the approved version given by an expert on television, then you're an oddball of some kind and a conspiracy theorist. So the mob will turn against you. You can count on that. They've used the mob down through history to witch hunt, witch hunt out people who won't go along with the system. And every country works the same way, by the way. They used the technique in China when they used to use the militia at one point to pick up pregnant women. They'd raid the houses and drag them off to the abortion clinic for having her second child. And now they don't have to do that. They've done so much good work, you see, again, Sunsteinian-type work on perception management, that the neighbors will do it. And the neighbors will tell them, you're being unpatriotic and antisocial, and you're taking the food from other people by raising this child or wanting another child. It's antisocial.
count on the mob because they're so easily trained. They don't know they're being trained, but they are. And that's also why in eastern Germany, towards the end, before the wall came tumbling down, supposedly, which it didn't really, it was all planned to come down at the right time. But uh, what's interesting, because Rockefeller told Gorbachev 15 years before it, that's why I know. And But anyway, um, and he also told them too that if you don't join this European Union, you'll be left behind, etc., etc. That's no kidding. Uh, they had a special envoy to Gorbachev years before, and Rockefeller told him straight to his face how it was going to be, and that's how it became. So you're living through an amazing script, but in East Germany they had the Stasi, the secret police, and uh, they'd put movies out. I think one was called The Way We Live, and uh, it was an excellent portrayal on the snooping. There was so much snooping going on by, by the, the government and agencies on every single person until eventually they even had one in six informers. One out of every six people was an informer in the whole of society. And you think it's any different anywhere else? You understand, when you live in a country, you're taught to be proud of the country. It doesn't matter what kind of country it is. And people in East Germany were taught to be proud of East Germany when it was communist. People under the Nazi regime were proud to be Nazis. It's so easy to make people proud of being part of something big, especially if it's got a big agenda and positive freedom, as it's called in philosophy. A big agenda to carry out, a big role to create history in the future. And it's easy to get them on, on a roll towards that. So any country can have its snoops. And then when you go into reading Lawrence, uh, who was the so-called Lawrence of Arabia, and his seven pillars of wisdom, for instance, he tells you back then at uh, World War One that he was sent out and picked at school, of course, and taught Arabic and various dialects of, of the Aramaic languages. And he was sent out with a team of um, intelligence officers to go into the Arabic countries and start up newspapers. And the newspapers, remember, this is just before World War I was starting, these newspapers would put out articles every day, and then they would, they would hire hundreds of uh, snoops to go around the bars and the bazaars, I should say, and listen to the gossip of the men to see if they were picking up on, on the stuff they were putting out, the, the articles and topics, and to see, too, if they were being influenced by them, because that was the whole point of starting up these various newspapers, to influence opinion and to bend them into thinking about things in a different way, or even hating the neighboring country. If war was, was, was scheduled by Britain, they'd get them to actually hate, by putting put out falsehoods and lies, but very plausible-sounding lies. And this is an old technique of doing this, as I say. Much easier today, because you have television in every house across the planet pretty well. So there's nothing new, and they had all those snoops too back in World War One, and at one point two before World War Two, they said that in the city of London alone, they had over, I think it was 3,000 professional full-time snoops just snooping on the British public. And now, of course, you use your computers to do it, and but they also use uh, people in every street. In every street, they have people whose job it is might seem retired to you or some some person who, who is uh, taking early retirement or whatever, but their job is to get Gary, uh, carry all data to their bosses 
all gossip about you and what you do and what you think and, and everybody else, etc. And that's made use of even by the lower strata of security, which is just your general police forces. So there's nothing new under the sun. It's just that you're kept ignorant of most of this and have been all your lives. And uh, as I say, now they have the best technique of all, along with the regular snoops. They still have them. They'll never do away with them, believe you me. But they also have the internet, and they have your persona. They have your your uh, whole file made up on you, on your on your behavior, your probabilities of uh, reacting in situations through their systems, which they actually run all the time. What would you do in this situation? So they run it through a virtual world. And they're generally pretty right in how you'd behave. And if you behave the, the way they want, then you are a good, approved, well-conditioned citizen. Back after this. Hi, folks. We're back and we're cutting through the Matrix. Uh, the movie I really meant to see, this other one was called... The Lives of Others. That's an interesting one to watch because it shows you a, a lot of the snooping that went on in the Stasi countries. But it's, as I say, it's everywhere. It's just as much here now. In fact, it's beyond Stasi in, say, the Americas and in the European countries. Beyond Stasi. And uh, you have no idea. You have no idea of the information that's, that's, that's craved for the, from you. Hopefully that you'll all put up yourselves quite happily. And they've already trained a young generation that privacy is a strange concept. They really do think it's a strange concept. So they're not antisocial at all. Their lives are literally an open book, and that's what the governments want. Because governments have wanted this for thousands of years, at least all the tyrants. And here they have a generation growing up thinking it's wonderful to put everything that you do uh, up on Facebook and other ones, which is working, of course, with the NSA and um, the Pentagon and so on, and they have a complete personality profile on everybody to make sure they're very predictable. But I, I touched too yesterday on the VIP schools and how they pick future leaders, and I've been doing it for 70 years. And it, but it's not just them, you understand. If you go into the United Nations, you'll find the United Nations schools, and it's really set up for all the people who work through the thousands and thousands and thousands of bureaucrats dealing with all levels of global governance, you see. And these schools teach them in a different reality exactly what Bertrand Russell said in one of his books. He was talking about the system that we're bringing in, uh, where the uh, the ones who were to be the the rulers, the managerial class of the world, would get a completely different training from everyone else and a completely different worldview on, on all events. They'd be in the know. And so you have intergenerational bureaucrats who have their own schools, trained in the same schools, to which the public, the general public are excluded. And it's not just there too. See, this is all part of the system when they set up the plans up under Cecil Rhodes and other ones uh, that worked with them. They they would do this very thing. But but to get the European bloc together too, they would have a, a, a particular school system for the managers for the blocks as well. Same with North America. And one of them is the European School, and it says here, the European School in Cullum, uh, Oxfordshire, is one of 14 European schools around Europe and the only one in the United Kingdom and currently has around 800 nursery primary, that's what's 4 to 11-year-olds, and secondary 11 to 18-year-olds students. 
The English Trust for European Education is currently engaged in the transformation of the school into an academy. And I guess where it's cited and so on, built in 1852 by Samuel Wilberforce, Bishop of Oxford. This is as of October the 12th, 2003, the student population of the European school column was 884, of which 88 were in the nursery school, the nursery school, because the moment you see all work in high bureaucratic positions for the European system. 343 in the primary school and 453 in the secondary school. And this is just one of these schools, right? One of these 14 schools. This is the one in Britain. European School uh, Cullum School newspaper was set up in 1994 as the Cullum Oracle. Nice term, isn't it? Oracle. Recently it changed its name to Bias, B-I-A-S, I guess because they're biased against the common people. There are five language sections, German, French, uh, Italian, Dutch, and, and so on, and English. And it says each language um, has its own year group, nursery, primary, starting very early on, and secondary. For nursery, there are two-year groups. For primary, there are five-year groups. And for the secondary, there are seven, uh, called S7 group, with a number of students in the Dutch and Italian sections decreasing. These groups are usually grouped with the English classes for science, sports, math, and, and uh, I think it's this Latin one, is still taught to the semi-merged groups in mother tongue. Anyway, the school's future is currently under discussion. These schools are formally primarily with the aim of serving Commission's employees, that's the European Commission's employees, where EU projects were present. JAT and EFDA in Cullum is currently scheduled for closure with the project moving to Cadarache, France, around uh, the six, uh, 2016. Parents and local community are seeking to transform the school in order to safeguard its future associate uh, European school. Anyway, so, so they have these special schools, as I say, for the United Nations, uh, for every country in the European Union for those who are in the commission, the high commission. The high commission is more important than politicians, understand, because they're the high bureaucrats. And they're taught, they're taught in a certain way. I've heard one or two of them speak. Generally, they go through public relations who soften it for the, the lowly herd that they're ruling over. But uh, sometimes when, when one of the real people come out and speak right off the cuff, they're very dictatorial because they haven't been trained in any form of democracy whatsoever. They know they're not democratic. And that's the system these world managers are bringing in with these bureaucrats. Worse, actually, than the Soviet system. Definitely on par, I would say worse. So that's how it's all run, and again, pretty well secrecy. And since they're all in the family, and they're all intermarried with each other, these thousands of bureaucrats, and their children come up in the same schools where they give them a different reality, they don't mix with the general public. They have nothing in common with the general public at all. So that's another one, as I say, of how they train the the world managers, world leaders. At another level, too, we're kept in the dark with all information on reality whatsoever, even to do with Japan. Because I've read articles here that over a a week ago, in fact, when the radiation hit the West Coast, and it it came out from the U.S. actually at the time, and, of course, Canada is just beginning to say that uh, it's caught us now, even though we found it in seaweed a few days ago. Back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. 
because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. We're back, cutting through the matrix and talking about Canada and how we're kept in the dark at the bottom. It's so easy in Canada because, as I say, yesterday in the main page on Toronto Sun, the front page, the whole full page, was a picture of Celine Dion, uh, who has been harassed by some some doctor or something, and a judge was uh, telling the guy to stay off or something, stay away. That's your main story for the country. Right? That's what we've been reduced to. All by design, by the way. And back to the story here, it talks about um, the CBC, again, the, the, the Communist Broadcasting Corporation. That's what it was normally called, affectionately, by those in it, uh, many of whom were communists, in fact. And um, uh, the, it's, it's owned by the government, of course, and run by the government, to, run by the taxpayers' money. And they make a lot of movies and things that nobody watches. They're famous for it, so boring. They're so politically correct, with it, and they're so forward with the, with the embedded stuff in, in their plays and so on. They don't even have the knack of the U.S. They're using the knack that they used in the Soviet Union to get their political correctness across. It's too crude. It's too straightforward, you see, and obvious. Anyway, this article here is from British Columbia, CBC. It says, so far, British Columbia scientists have said local radiation levels that can be linked to the Japanese reactor are minuscule and pose no health risk to the public. So we've got minuscule again on that scale that we can all measure because we're, we're down at the bottom heap where the mushrooms are and there's no slide room rule for minuscule. Uh, maybe the large one will be gigantium or something or who knows how they'll, how they'll have it. Anyway, Starsosa says researchers will continue to keep an eye on radioactive iodine 131. They want you to keep looking at this one because they say it has a short, a short lifespan. A key component of nuclear power plant radiation, but also on cesium 137. Cesium is harder to detect than iodine 131, Starsosa said. He says iodine 131 also decays rapidly, he said, lessening the risk. Cesium can remain in the atmosphere for 30 years, so if you've got any wills to do, you better get them done rather fast. But, and the part about plutonium, eh? Star, Starost Osta said whether the leaking plutonium at Fukushima plant will appear in BC is also a question. Well, they know darn well it will. Everything else will. Because it's unclear if it travels the same way as the other radioactive elements do. Utter nonsense. I've done so many tests during the nuclear testing. They know exactly how it travels, how far it will travel, what kind of wind it needs to do so, what, a, what kind of height it needs, and how much land it will cover. So this is your usual uh, baby uh, sucker. Those little things you stick in babies' mouths, keep them quiet. This is a baby sucker story, you see. And... Um, it's rather typical of the stuff they give out to the public. Meanwhile, they talk about really low levels and, and minimum and all that kind of stuff. And uh, it, it does say, too, though, that um, they're going to say that uh, they'll keep uh, pre- prepared for higher doses coming in. And then it says we'll have a window to react and prepare for that. I wonder what they're going to do. I'd say shut the window, wouldn't you? Hey, close the window, don't let any in. So they'll have a window to react as it comes over Canada, and that probably means that all the, the you know, the, the real people, the people who are somebodies, will all get uh, rushed into underground bunkers, which they certainly have had for an awful long time. That's what that will mean, because what are they going to do for you? All they'll tell you is to close your window. But that's the, the Disneyland we live in, as I say. 
And I've said for years too, as the U.S. finishes off the big plundering plan across the world, pays for it all through tax money, they would have the, the, the rug, the carpet pulled from under their feet uh, as at the same time as they're accomplishing their last missions. And that's what they've been doing over the last few years, of course, pulling the rug from under the Americans and really still staving off hyperinflation. Uh, they've done a better job because it's easy to do with the Federal Reserve when some guy just tells you what the purchasing power of that dollar is going to be and they all believe it. So it's easier to bring them down slower than other countries where they're paying through the nose and the currency becomes like uh, pesos or something. So they're still using the U.S. And meanwhile, it says here, according to the U.S. Census Bureau, Detroit saw its population drop f- uh, from 951,270 in 2000 to 713,777 last year, as lowest since the 1910 census. That tells only part of a classic rise and fall of a city that lost residents to the suburbs and the dramatic, dramatic decline of the auto industry. The, the decline? <laughs> They're making more Fords and so on and GMs over in China and boasting about how they're selling more than they've sold in the States this year. Buoyed by industrialization, Henry Ford and other entrepreneurs, Detroit's population skyrocketed at the dawn of the 20th century. Then it gives you uh, it's how high the figures were at one time and so on. But it says the state's population fell 0.6% from 9.94 million to 9.89 million. Uh, costing the state yet another congressional district at its peak. After the 1960 census, Michigan had 19 seats in the U.S. House of Representatives, according to the U.S. Census Bureau. The state's capital hill clout has eroded one or two seats a decade since 1980. Now it's just down to 14. And why are they doing all this particular stuff? It's because, you see, they have uh, problems getting the, the new taxes and stuff through. See, the higher the population, the more they can hit their targets. The lower population, they're going to make the the people who are remaining still try to meet those high targets. So this other article here uh, says, uh, the Michigan monarchy, the Michigan monarchy legislates financial martial law in the nation yawns. That's how interesting it is to most folk. And it says, this week the Michigan legislature passed and the government signed into law a bill that would permit Governor Rick Schneider to push aside elected city officials and replace them with emergency financial managers in any municipality or school district facing financial difficulties. Well, that's what they're doing in Britain, by the way, unelected officials being appointed across cities and so on by this decentralization communitarian idea. The law would include virtually every town and city in the state as those cities aren't bankrupt already uh, the soon will be once the governor's proposed budget, which cuts billions in aid to municipalities and school districts, is approved by the legislature. So you have got communitarianism coming fast in the states. Maybe our, our collective short attention spans have been overworked to the point of exhaustion by the cascading events recently experienced in Wisconsin, or maybe the arrival of some good weather combined with the start of March Madness has given us an excuse to take a break from the more pressing issues of life. Whatever the reason, one of the most shocking, draconian, democracy-destroying measures in the history of the country has become law, and the nation has seemingly slept through it. Uh, Should you think I'm somehow overstating the issue, which would certainly be understandable given how difficult all of this is to believe, let's do a quick review of what has happened in Wolverine State. The new law described in one of the GOP legislators sponsoring the bill as financial martial law, this is the name of it, eh? 
uh, empowers the governors and appointees, referred to as emergency financial managers, but more aptly termed viceroys appointed by the king, allows the EFR to fire uh, to fire duly elected local officials, cancel labour contracts, and even dissolve entire communities and school districts. This democracy in action, eh, is we're pushing democracy across the planet to people in the Arabian countries as we seal their, their land off them. Set aside for the moment your feelings about the state's government's newly acquired ability to cancel collective bargaining agreements. While I may vehemently disagree with the efforts underway to destroy state employee unions, and I do, I recognize that there are many who believe that this is necessary to save our states and cities from financial insolvency. Hey, well, I'll tell you what, what got it in the, that way in the first place is utter corruption by uh, certain people who seem to always get in the office and are often related to each other as well. And that's what really caused it all. Massive corruption over too many, too many years. And that's the state you're in today. But, to say, it helps you with the new system, the copying in Britain. It's obviously, obviously a copy of Britain, uh, the way they're going here with these appointed officials and unelected people. So they're on a roll. And another article I want to read, too, is about all the, the usual brats. See, remember, remember um, it was Eisenhower talked about the military-industrial complex, and always you had to keep an eye on them, because the military-industrial complex is industry, but it's also banking industry, because they're always involved with loaning and funding and so on. And that's all part, of course, of this uh, Royal Institute for International Affairs, Dash Council on Foreign Relations, Global Governance idea. They're a big part of it. And all the big companies now, even Lockheed Martin is into to, uh, so many things to do with tracking and tracing you and, and computer stuff because, you see, the big boys are part, are still part of the military-industrial complex, but they're also, you understand, society is changing from where it was into uh, the battlefield is across the world now. And that's why your cops are militarized. That's why... That's why um, you're under a kind of martial law across the world as well. As this, this blurring between free countries, free states, is blurred with terrorism and martial law. You've got all of these agencies now in on the act, including all the computer agencies and monitoring systems. Hewlett-Packard expands energy and carbon monitoring services. You see, this is all part of this this system now that's up and running, and but nobody wanted, and nobody was asked if you wanted it. To, to again bring big bucks into not just the United Nations coffers as it builds itself up to the big monstrous beast that it's to be, but also to help skim off a lot of the carbon that's called dirty money into the banks that have to funnel it as well, then which happens to be the Rothschild private bank in Switzerland. But it says here, Hewlett Packard and Thursday announced a new portfolio of services to determine and implement ways to cut energy costs and carbon emissions across organizations. Uh, so there's, there's the way they put it. I love the way they, they, they get you to perceive things by the way the word is. It's just psycholinguistics, you see. It says, Hewlett Packard's Energy and Sustainability Management Program will include services to monitor and report energy usage and carbon emissions in buildings, data centers, and supply chains, said Ken Hamilton, Director of Global Energy and Sustainability Services at HP's Technology Consulting Group. The services will also include determination of financial models to balance business operations with, with energy use and sustainability. I love this term, sustainability. And remember, too, this is also going to be combined with your smart meters, folks at home. And they'll balance out this energy that you've sucked up, you see, 
and do this quick equation into what we cost for carbon and for all energy to make that electricity, and you may get taxed on this. And it says here, organizations are investing in point-specific opportunities, Hamilton said. For example, companies are spending on specific cooling techniques and data centers, but HP wants companies to think across the board to include building facilities and the supply chain. Such an expansion could help build a more accurate business model to cut energy costs and mitigate emissions. The service included an audit of materials, parts, water, waste management. The program also offers specific monitoring and reporting services through tools such as analytics software for water usage, energy efficiency, and carbon emissions. It's a whole kit in Kabuto, right from your water, right through everything. And I've had to call it service too, eh? The services could be useful for companies looking to squeeze more savings out of existing business operations, said Michael Canelos, senior analyst at Green Tech Media. Energy and natural resources are going up in prices because the big boys are taking them over. It could be a larger share of their operating expense. So it says there's a growing interest in evaluating and applying geothermal energy alternatives into business operations, Hamilton said. The services could help a company choose options for renewable energy sources based on requirements driven by either regulatory or company policy. HP then helps evaluate costs, benefits, operational factors and the options and provides recommendations, he said. So they're in it too. And by the way, I was going to say the two, that some of the big fighter um, aircraft makers too are into the same kind of deals to do with security over you. See, warfare, as I say, shifted onto your home territory, right through civilian life. It's all on you. You don't know it yet, but that's how it is. That's how, you, that's how it truly is. It's shifted upon you with all your monitoring and all the rest of it. You're un- not, really, you're not, you're not, you're, you're only not getting the bombs dropped down on you. That's the only difference you're having right now. That's all that's happening. Look at the way your cops dress up today. They become the cartoon figures they've grown up watching. And that's how they want to be. Puffed up on steroids. They want the, the people to be afraid of them. And they get them black outfits, that, you know, the executioner's color, you know. And the, the dark glasses and the, the leather gloves, just like the movies that they've been playing all their lives and the games they've been playing too. And they're set out there to kill. So it's quite something how everyone's getting in on this act. And it's not by chance, it's because it was preordained that they come in on all of this. And they were probably told about all of this too, years and years and years ago. They don't suddenly come out with all this stuff at once. Corporations have their own massive bureaucracies. They work slowly too, just like governments do. They go round corners on square wheels. It takes them years to prepare for anything. So they're always in on the know of what's coming. Now, unpaid jobs are the new normal, it says here. And um, it says, well, businesses are genuinely wary of the risk of using unpaid labor. Companies that have uh, used free workers seek and pay off when done right, right? With nearly 14 million unemployed workers in America, many have gotten so desperate they're willing to work for free. While some businesses are wary of the legal risks and supervision such an arrangement may require, companies that have used free workers say it can pay off when done right. People who work for free are far hungrier than anybody who has a salary, so they're going to outperform, they're going to try to please, just like, oh, feed me, massa, feed me. 
They're going to be creative, said Kelly Fallis, chief executive of Remote Stylist, a Toronto and New York-based startup that provides web-based interior design services. From a cost-saving perspective, to get something off the ground, it's huge, especially if you're a small business. That's not bad slave labour, eh? In the last three years, Follis has used about 50 unpaid interns for duties in marketing, editorial and advertising sales, account management and public relations. She's convinced it's the wave of the future in human resources. Ten years from now, this is going to be the norm, she says. Isn't that wonderful, folks? That's what you see in third world countries. I hope you understand what's all happening, all of this stuff. I hope, hope, hope you see. I really do. Now, there's the callers on the There's Dave from England on the line. Are you there, David? Hello, David. Hello? Yes. Uh, Go ahead. It's not I'm just speaking there. Yes. Hello, how are you, Alan? Oh, hanging in here, like everyone else. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Well, I'm doing all right here. They are, well, considering. Cons- <laughs> considering, I know what you mean, yeah. Uh, just glad that you've still got the ability to have some free speech even though we might have different opinions about on certain levels yep yep and, uh, so you've still got a sense of free speech that that will be cracked down on soon though well I'm, I understand what you're saying mm-hmm. and uh, I'm well aware of that yeah I'm not worried. Well, there's no point being worried about it because it will come. It will come regardless. And uh, they've already got um, things going through Parliament in Britain to do with speech and what can be said, what cannot be said. Uh, but we're going to do it until 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 we die. Obviously, we've got to speak. We've got to keep speaking. Uh, back with more after this break. Hi, folks. We're back, cutting through the matrix. And is Dave still on the line there? Hello? Yes, hello. Is Dave still on the line? Yes. Okay, yeah. So how, how are things with you over there? Well, actually, at the moment, my mother is uh, almost uh, terrified at the fact that I'm on the phone speaking to a radio station. Really? How bad things are, to be honest. Yeah. yeah people get paranoid now. At the, yeah. Well, she's yeah. worried. Mm-hmm. And it's true enough, when you get a, a situation where people are worried because there's st- someone sticking their head out or above ground and saying something, then they all feel, feel afraid uh, in case it brings down the wrath of God on them. Yeah. yeah. That's understandable. Yes, oh, perfectly understandable. And again, too, that's what the governments are actually counting on, that those who want to speak out will be cowed by relatives and friends uh, so that they won't stand up and speak, you see. Well, I've experienced that. Yeah. And uh, but I was, I, I'm not saying I'm special or anything like that, but I knew that I could do this. I, mm-hmm. I knew that I would not back down. Yeah. yeah. And I haven't. No. And I was not going to let you down. Yeah. Because you, you you were honest with me and you told me the truth. I told you the truth. And you, I took you on your word that you accepted that. That's right. And that's good enough for me. Yeah, that's, that's how you have to be. 
you have to be, especially in these times of troubles and all the rest of it too, um, people can't play with people anymore. There's too much playing going on with everyone else and uh, from governments to the public and the public with each other. We've got to be very, very serious because we're going through incredibly serious times. And, and it's going to be a, a living hell that the world are bringing in, an utterly living hell where people, well, you know, more so in Britain where you do have these garbage police and everything else and people who report people all the time in your communities until you literally changes the way that you live, you, how you think. Uh, you can't be relaxed for a minute. Um, uh, that's what they want. They want everyone on edge living under cameras and watched all the time. You can't be spontaneous, so it, it alters behavior. And uh, that's a technique of bringing you down into that Sovietized system where everyone, everyone walked around staring at the sidewalk with no uh, expressions on their faces in case uh, they'd be seen on a camera. And someone would come up and ask them, why, is, why have you got that strange smile on your face? That's enough to get you into trouble, you know. But I understand they, that. They, yeah, they want you to all be cowed down and they want you to go along. They count on the family unit to to pressure the individual into succumbing and just be nice, just be normal. Just be normal and do what everyone else does, which is... Hey, something, something just interrupt that one. Yeah. Uh, I apologise for that. Uh, the way I looked at it was, I, I just saw it the opposite way. Mm-hmm. Well, my, there's no way that that is stronger than my family. Yes. Yeah. And uh, it isn't. Yeah. yeah. So, so the only thing I was thinking was, what are we going to? What is the alternative? Is it going to be some point where everything you say is going to be recognised, mm-hmm. but then sort of put behind us? Yes. And yeah. Try and find a compromise. You got to compromise too. You're a compromise with them. Yeah, no, you can't back down, but you don't have to make enemies with them either. Yeah. That's, that's right. Yeah. That's what you got to do. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Well, thanks for calling, Dave. Yeah. That's the end of the show now. And maybe Darlene from Colorado can call back tomorrow, hopefully. Uh, it's a short show as flies in. From Hamish Marcel from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, your God or your God's school with you.